morning, everyone. So, guys, it's exciting. Things are exciting. Being in the kingdom today is exciting. Being in the world today is exciting. Are you guys excited? Okay. <laughs> Don't make this hard this morning. We agree when we say yes and amen to something. Okay. And so our, I've brought um, a message that I love what Paul did over there, heaven on earth. And I'm talking about bringing heaven to earth. And I love that it lines up with everything that's going on in Pinetown and the outreaches and getting us equipped. So you can't sit here and say, well, there's nothing really for me to do. There is always something for you to do. Okay? Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay? Because God didn't create us to come and sit in church and look pretty. I took my shoes off because I'm not here standing in my own authority. I'm in Him. Okay, and I remind myself that it doesn't matter what clothes I wear, what jewelry I've got on, how big a house I've got. In Him, I live and move and have my being. Okay, so it's not the the clothes I wear, the shoes I wear. It's got nothing to do with that. It's what's going on in here and what's going on with Him. And I was challenged, really challenged this last week. I was encouraged, but I was challenged. And I got excited about a word I heard from a friend. And I hope that this word is going to encourage you. I really believe that a lot of the body don't know this scripture the way it should be spoken about. And um, I am praying with everything inside of me, Lord, that you help me to bring it across in a way that magnifies you and gives you glory, Lord, to change your body, to equip your body, to put your body into action to do the works that you've created them to do here on earth at this time. So bringing heaven to earth. What does bringing heaven to earth actually mean? Because the way I see it, I grew up in Peter Marisburg. I went to a boarding school and my mom picked us up one day and took us to a Reynolds Bonker concert. And I'll never forget um, being at that concert and Renard Bonker praying for people's ears and eyes to be opened and seeing those ears and eyes opened. I'll never forget people going up on crutches and wheelchairs and those things just being cast aside and people being set free. And I remember as a little girl just thinking, like, wow, that, that is what God is using one man. But what if God used the whole church? What if everybody could do that and knew that they could do that because Jesus says in his word that greater things will you do than I did greater things will you do than I did Jesus said greater things will you do than I did thank you (laughs) that's something to get excited about but are we doing those greater things Are we bringing heaven to earth? And this is what challenged me, is that this guy said, the problem is that we're bringing more hell to earth than we are bringing heaven to earth. And I was like, bringing hell to earth? And it got me getting curious. So Steve calls me, we are doing as elders and as 
leaders are, we are doing a whole thing on the book of Acts, okay, introducing it, the life of the church, the early church, and how does that affect us today? Should we be encouraged by it? So I had this, okay, this whole thing about bringing hell to earth and now the book of Acts, and I'm saying, Lord, I've got these two messages, and the one's burning in me, and the one I kind of have to do, so help me with this. So I get to um, start with, with Acts, and I start reading Acts 2. And um, that slide up. Thanks. And it says, for David, now this is, um, this is after the fire of tongues had come on all the people praying in the upper room, and people thought they were, they were like drunk. And so he starts talking to them, but he quotes um, from David and he says, For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make, known, you will make me full of joy in your presence." Now, that whole scripture in itself is a sermon with so much, so much. If you just had to get your whole Bible taken away from you and just live on that, like always have your face before him. Let, let his face be before you. Have him always. He says in his word that he whose mind is set on things above, he keeps in perfect peace. That's what the word says. So keep him always in your mind. Keep him there. He says, you will always be at my right hand. I will not be shaken. This is David's conviction. I'm going to take you to, to David's psalm, um, Psalm 16, 8 to 11. And it says basically exactly the same thing because this is um, Peter basically quoting what he said. But the difference is one word that's different in these two, two ones from the New Testament and the ones from the Old Testament. And you'll see I've put them in red. Because the one talks about, you will not allow my, for you will not leave my soul in Hades. And the other one says, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol. So I thought, okay, game on. We have hell right here. So, I'm going to talk about that. Now, I know sometimes Christians think, well, let's just dismiss hell because we're not going there. Hey? But don't shut me out. Ask Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because this is a really, really important topic, and I think it will set a lot of people free. But I also think it will challenge a lot of us. And I hope it will challenge us in the right way. You see, there's four words for hell in the Bible. There's Sheol, Tartarus, Hades, and Gehenna. I am not, for the sake of time, I am not going to talk about Sheol and Tartarus. I might go back to them, depending on time. Um, I'm going to... Sheol, just to give you something is mostly spoken about in the Old Testament, about 65, 66 times. And it's normally referred to as the grave. 
You must remember Old Testament, they had no um, idea of hell. They literally felt like when you died, you went to Sheol, you went to the grave. And in the grave, you met up with God, and God said, you're a good man, you're welcome, you, you're bad, but you, you know you can get good, so we'll just push you over there, or otherwise, listen, there's no hope for you, bye-bye. But they didn't understand what hell was. They had no idea of what hell was. So they felt like if you were righteous, um, you'd go to the grave, but if you were wicked, you'd go to Sheol, like there's not, no return for you, just go away. But the whole concept was not there on, on hell. Everything we've got from hell and the pictures and the angels, and as, most of those pictures are from Renaissance art, which is from the pagan world. And that's where we've taken our idea of hell. And we've kind of pushed it into four words, those four words, but for English, we have one word, and it's hell. And the problem is when you take four different words, meaning all different things, and you try and squish them into one picture, <laughs> it's a very scary place <laughs> when you have to look at that. It's really a scary place. So I'm going to say, let's look at, at Hades very quickly. Um, Hades is hell as we understand it, a place where you go. Lazarus um, was in hell, uh, not Lazarus was in hell, the rich man was in hell and looking up to Lazarus and said, oh, please can't, um, you just give me some water, dip your finger, you know, and, and I'll even dip it in your soil. And basically, that is hell from a Hades perspective. Jesus only speaks about it three times. I'm not going to run through all those scriptures. I just don't have time. Um, Jesus, Matthew 16, 18, Matthew 11, 33, Luke 16, 23 are the three mentions of Jesus. That's all he ever spoke about, hell. Okay? The other five scriptures are mentions of hell. Um, and then in Revelation, it talks about hell. But there are numerous accounts, over about 15 accounts in the New Testament, where actually um, Jesus speaks about hell, but not as Hades, as a word called Gehenna. So this is where I'm going with, with this preach, because I really believe Gehenna is something we can all um, look up, go and Google it, go and do some reading, go and do some research in the Bible. If you've got a, a Hebrew and a Greek, <laughs> go, and do some, go and do some reading. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed myself that I've read this so many times and I've never actually looked at what the Aramic or the Hebrew word for hell was in many of these situations. So um, let's go to let's go to two Chronicles twenty eight. So the first mention of Gehenna, um, just to fill you in, the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, that is actually um, taken from the Hebrew. 
and that the word there is actually Gehenna if you translate it directly. Okay, so when it talks about Hinnon, it's actually um, Genan. So it says there that he burned his children in fire, okay, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before. So this was an evil king that came along and decided they were going to get a idol, and it's actually the, the Gehenna is on the southwest border of Jerusalem, and they made this um, idol, put this idol up there, and what they did is they cut his fingers off, like a big, I think like gold idol, cut his fingers off, and so his hands were like this, made a hole for his nose, his mouth, his eyes, his ears, and then they burnt fire behind him so that when this fire burnt, the fire came out of his fingers, out of his nose, out of his eyes. So he looked like pretty terrifying. And so they would take their children and sacrifice them to Gehenna or give them to Gehenna. Um, And they would take their, their little children and they'd put their babies on his hands. Now this is fiery stuff. Head, little heads on the hand here, and bum on the other hand. There's your baby. And it would sizzle. And they would have like drums, ding, 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 going so fast, like five drummers drumming drums so that you wouldn't hear the wailing and the crying of those babies. And sometimes the babies survived and sometimes they didn't, but they were marked as now being property of, of this horrible Moloch. And this was an abomination to God. It was not part of God's heart. It was not who he was. Um, if you go to the next slide, it's Jeremiah. Um, it says, The people of Judah had done evil in my eyes, declares the Lord. They have set up their, this detestable idols in the house that bears my name and have defiled it. They have built the high places of Tarath and in the valley of, and then again, to burn their sons and daughters in fire, something that I did not command, nor did it enter my mind. And yet we blame God for much of the things that happen in the Old Testament. That was not God's heart. It didn't even enter his mind that we should give our children to these things. And what eventually happened is that Another king came along, Josiah. Sorry, if you want to go back to Josiah. um, It says Josiah, he saw these things and he was like, no, no, these things are not going to happen. So he tore down all these temples. But now they had this, this place called Gomorrah that they were like, well, what do we do with this, this place? So they said, okay, well, why don't we, um, take all our town rubbish to there. Take the town rubbish over there. Because this is five generations of children being sacrificed. Like horrible, horrible stuff. No one wants that land. I'm in property. I sell property. Trust me, no one would want to buy that land. You gave it away for one cent. Like horrible stuff gone down there. So the only thing that they could do was give it to the town for their rubbish. But you've got the Mediterranean Sea on the one side, and of course the prevailing winds would bring the smell 
across the city. And there was this horrible, stinky smell. So they thought, no, 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 this is, this is not going to help. So then they decided that they would burn it, burn it, okay? And to keep it burning con- continually, well, continually, they put um, sulfur and brimstone. And that sulfur and brimstone burning kind of like ate up the odor. So there wasn't that odor anymore. So you've got this big rubbish dump burning all the time. Sulfur and odor. And eventually what happened is that the poor in the town that could not afford a grave for their loved ones would take their beloved ones there and literally just throw them onto the fire to let them burn because they couldn't afford to go and find a piece of land to to bury them. And so you had this wailing. Then you had dogs coming and ravishing. So you had biting, wailing, gnashing of teeth, a fire that continuously and does not go out. Remind you of anything? Hell. That's what we think of hell. Because that's what all the art down the centuries has made us think that's what hell is. And yet it is a place called Gehenna. So Jesus, when he spoke to a lot of the people that came to listen to him, were good people. And he spoke to them. And this is what he had to say to them about this place. In Matthew 5, 21, 22, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. (laughs) Now that hellfire is Gomorrah. So imagine this. Jesus is preaching, and this, uh, uh, Gehenna, sorry, this um, place is just a little bit far off from him. So he's preaching and he's saying to them, guys, if you call your brother a fool, then your life basically is like you, you're on the rubbish dump. It smells to me. Now, now don't get, feel bad and think, oh, you know what, I'm a Christian and I've called somebody a fool. God's not going to send you to hell for calling somebody a fool. He's talking about a progressive sin here. He's talking about a progressive, in all of these things, he's talking about a progressive way of your life. If you're continuously angry and you're continuously swearing and you are continuously calling people things you shouldn't be calling them, this is smelly to God. It smells like this horrible burning sulfur. And he says, your life will be like a smelly rubbish dump. Okay? You can't go around gossiping as a child of God and think that it's fine. Because it is not. Okay? When you gossip and you say things that you know you shouldn't, listen, we've all been there. And we've all done that. And there is a Holy Spirit that is inside of you telling you to shut up. Keep those words. 
Why? Because your life will reflect a smell, an odor that is not pleasant. And it eventually starts to take over you, what you are saying. And then one day you meet that person you've been gossiping about and you wonder why they're so mean to you. It's because you've put them in a place and you've affected everything. The words you've spoken, what you've spoken, have got a lot of power in them. Power. Jesus said that when we speak, when we speak, there's authority. You can say to that mountain, move and it will be moved. Okay? Father, our heavenly Father, spoke the world into existence. He spoke the world into existence. We are made in His image. What do we do? We speak our world into existence. We speak things over our life. When we take the word of God and we speak that word into our situations, I have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, that word coming out of my mouth is that two-edged sword that the Bible says about that the word of God is like a two-edged sword. When it comes out of your mouth, it's already coming out of God's mouth. It's already the word of God. Now it's coming out of your mouth, and that's that two-edged sword that will cut through to the tiniest little bone and marrow that not even a knife, a doctor's knife, can get down there. They have to use a laser. That That is how powerful the word of God is out of your mouth. But when you don't speak the word of God and you speak destruction, you've got an enemy that loves that. And fear and those things start to operate because you invite those things when you do those things into your life. Let's go on to another one. Matthew. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Gehenna. Again, Gehenna. You see, when he's talking about it's not the loss of being. It's not you lose who the, the being of who you are, but it's your loss of your well-being. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not that you're, that you're going to hell. You're going to Gehenna. So he's saying your life is like as good as being on a rubbish dump. It stinks to him. And it is not well to be sitting on a rubbish dump. I don't know who thinks it's nice, and go under the bridge and go and see the rubbish there, the stench. That is not a reflection of the God we serve. And this is what Jesus was talking to them about. He was saying, guys, we as Christians, we can come to church and we can clap our hands and we can sing to him and raise a hallelujah. But what are you doing at home with your wife? How are you speaking to your husband? How are you speaking to your children? 
If we had to take some of your loved ones aside and say, don't tell them, but what do they really say? How do they really react? Guys, I don't want to condemn you, but I want to challenge you. This, if we want revival to come, our lives have to reflect the Savior who gave his life for us to set us free from all these things that hold us captive. We are not a reflection of who he is when we are angry, when we gossip, when we allow fear. We, we bring, we watch stuff, man. We watch stuff on TV and we watch the news and we read the newspaper. And then you wonder why we're all fearful. Man, get the Bible, read the good news. And read what you have been called to do to make the difference in this world. Stop filling your life with those things. We land up going. Listen, you're talking to someone who's been happy sitting on the, on the junk. Not happy, but I've been there. I've got five minutes. Stop, stop, cancel, cancel, cancel. Okay, stop. And listen, I have, I cannot tell you that that's a good place to be. You commit adultery, you go down those roads. If you're a greedy person and all you do is me and myself and all you can consider is important in this world is you, if you come to church every Sunday and you hear these challenges to make a difference, if you've got 10 pairs of shoes and 10 coats in your cupboard, come on. Where are we making a difference? Isaiah talks about I'm not interested in you fasting. I'm not interested in you wailing, making your hunger go to nothing. He, he, listen, there's a place for that. But it doesn't interest him when our lives don't reflect him. And we're angry still. And we're greedy and everything's about us. And we don't share. These things are very, very important to God. They're very important to Jesus. If he said to them, um, where's this one? Pride. Pride. Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who then is greatest? Pride. Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are con converted and become as one of these children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever deceives this little one like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a milestone be hung around his head and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. Woe to the world because of offenses. Who have we offended lately? For offenses must come, but woe to the man with whom the offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than rather than having two hands or two feet. Guys, this is a metaphor. Okay, He's not saying, for goodness sake, don't go and cut out your eyes and your legs. Okay, He's talking to us and saying, listen, this is how bad it is. This is how serious it is to God. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter 
into life with one eye rather than two eyes to be cast into hellfire, Gehenna, again. These things are very serious to God. Greed, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. You see, they were all good on the outside. They looked amazing, these Pharisees and these, and these uh, Pharisees and Scribbies and whoever else's scribes. And here, this is why he's saying, woe to you. You are so good looking on the outside. He actually said to them, you like all painted white, but on the inside you're a tomb painted white, but on the inside you're dead man's bones. He was not happy with them. Looked all good, paying their tithes and doing everything that made people feel less than. And he said, you do all these things, but you devour widows' houses. Greed is something. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one uh, proselyte, but when he is one, you make him twice as much. So you get one person saved, and when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourselves. We, our walks with him are so important. Everything we do, everything we say, who we are. We can't come to church and expect that that's going to do it for the rest of the week. If we are not down on our knees, speaking to our Heavenly Father, asking him to show us things, reading his word. And maybe you here today and you're saying, well, I don't know God. How, how do I start? You know, the, the Bible gives us um, a story about a sower who sows a seed. And it says he sows the seed in the ground and he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he sees nothing, a farmer. And that's much like us. We come to know the Lord and we come to church and um, we read the word and it doesn't feel like anything's changing in our lives. But we've got to be faithful, continue being faithful, continue reading the word, continue praying, continue coming together, continue worshiping, continue with these things. Because it says that eventually you wake up one day and something will come and try and offend you and you won't get offended. And you'll go like, wow. And that's patience inside of you. Okay, that's kindness inside of you. The things, the gifts he's already given us, patience, kindness, peace. Those things that are inside of us. And the sower says that, the, the, the parable says that he lands up one day. One day he sees a leaf and slowly, and if you farm and you grow anything in your garden, you'll see suddenly a little leaf come up and then the stalk. And then suddenly the plant starts developing. And that's the kingdom. That's the word in our lives. It's how it changes us. Where suddenly we start to become more confident in Christ. We, we talk more to other people about him. We feel more confident. And eventually you are going out and helping the poor. And, and giving someone clothes that doesn't have clothes. And giving someone food that's, that's hungry. We start doing those things. Because that's the fruit that comes out of us as Christians. 
But if we're not doing those things, then why are we here? Why are we here? I want to challenge you that this, um, this revival and everything that came up, and maybe put that um, on, the, on the screen in a second, not yet, um, to look at those dates and put them in your diary and decide to get involved. Decide, I'm going to help somebody this week. I'm going to do something for somebody this week. You want healing in your body? In Isaiah 58, it says here, If this is not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you may break every yoke, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you may bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light will shine and break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer and you shall cry and he will say, here I am. All these things are important to God. They are very important to God. To Peter This divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his, by his own glory and goodness. Through, th- though these, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Guys, it's through his word, it's through him It's everything he has given us. He promises. If you go further on, he says, for this reason, make every effort. We, he's telling us, for this reason, to make sure that you stay in contact with him, doing these good things. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance goodness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Which I'm sorry to say that, but a large majority of the church are ineffective and unproductive. Let it not be said of us, Howey. In your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us not become ineffective and unproductive. Make every effort to have your faith, to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and love. Love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. Are we loving one another? Are we loving our brothers? Are we loving those that are in need? Or are we rushing home to our lunch 
and forgetting about everybody else for the rest of the week. I, I look around this church and I, I'm encouraged because I know many of you and I know your hearts and I know your giving. So I know, I know this word doesn't have to make you feel bad, but I do want it to challenge those that are not doing anything. Your Heavenly Father loves you. And when you give of yourself, listen, there is such an abundance of joy that comes when you give of yourself that no one can describe that to you. It's not about giving up something. It's about giving what you've got and letting the Lord multiply it. And when you do it, you will see miracles. You don't, you're not seeing miracles? Get out and do something. You'll see miracles. That's what the church needs. That's what we need, is people doing something for the kingdom. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Okay. Are we good? Don't live on Gehenna, guys. Live a glorious life because he is good and he loves us. Can I pray for you guys? Let's stand. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that there is so much richness in your word. And there's so much, Lord, we still have to learn. And you spoke to people from your heart that day, talking to them about the issues of life, Lord, that if we, do, if we don't do these things or we are greedy and we are doing our own things and we are hurting people around us, that it's nothing more than just living a life that's on a rubbish dump. And that's not your plan and it's not what you came for us. You came to give us life and freedom and goodness. You came to give us that love. You showed us that love that we could give to other people. Help us not to be selfish with that. People need to be challenged, Lord. I pray that you would challenge them with the love that you've challenged me. And I pray that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation for you as you stand here today. And Father, I pray that they would know that, but that you do challenge us to make a difference in this world. We love you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for everything you do for us. I pray if there's anyone that's here today, Lord, that does not know you, that they would have um, just the courage to come up and speak to one of the leaders and just find out how good this life is. How much, how much joy you come to give those who really walk with you. Thank you for your love today. Bless your people. Watch over them, Father, I pray, and bring them back again safely. In Jesus' name, amen.